that there's some weird people out lurking around. Yeah. Remind me to never go to Pittsburgh. (laughs) If this is what they have going on there, I don't want to go. Welcome to Franchise Frights Podcast. I'm Cam. And I'm Mandy. And we're back. Yay! We haven't recorded an episode for like a week and a half because sickness season was here. It was our first sickness of the season. Yeah. I was going to say year, but that's not right. I had a sinus infection and then our son Nolan caught a cold and then he gave me the cold just as I was getting over the sinus infection and then I gave Mandy the cold and we sounded horrible and... There was no recording. No. We sounded like the dead. Yeah. Which is probably good. We're covering a zombie movie. That works out well. I came up with a contest for our listeners. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. So want to spread the word. So if you share us on your social medias, take a screenshot of it and DM it to us. I have some old horror DVDs that I have replaced with digital copies or Blu-rays. And I will send you one of those along with some uh, hand-signed notes that Mandy and I have taken from our our note-taking research for Ooh. the movies. Oh, people are dying for that. Yes. They're going to be so excited. I know. Like, you, you might be able to get, like, one of the Blade movies on DVD or um, Paranormal Activity 1 through 3. You have the Blade movies? Yeah. That I'm just giving away. Okay, I was going to say, I've never seen the Blade movies. No, I just, I, I bought it at Kmart in like a two ninety nine bin, and it was like four Blade movies. And you're like, it's two ninety nine for four movies. Yeah, and then I think I watched all of them once, and I was like, oh, all right, I'm done with that. Well, it's about the same price as renting, though. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's kind of washed out. It's not yeah. a bad deal. It's not bad. But yeah, so share us, and apparently you will get a dvd you'll get things you don't want (laughs) but just know that i'll send them with love yeah what else is going on in our world um i'm getting ready to leave for oregon you are you're gonna see the nephews i get to go see my brother and his family um cam doesn't get to come with us because he didn't have any more vacation time no i used it all for paranormal investigations and it's just a real quick trip we're flying out Friday, and then we get home Sunday. And you're not even going to go to the ocean. Nope. But I just want to see my nephews. They're and I get so to take cute. them trick-or-treating, and I'm so excited. <laughs> and I'm going to hand out Halloween candy all by my lonesome yeah. this year. Cam's going to be the creeper, yes. handing out full-size candy bars and <laughs> shots of fireball. <laughs> and uh, wearing my awesome Halloween suit. Yeah. Your jazzy Halloween suit. Yeah. Yeah, you won't be creepy at all. No, not at all. <laughs> Cameron is not at all creepy. Um, yeah, that's about all that we have going on. I can't think of anything else. Do you have any horror movie news? 
The only news I have is that we watched that movie, um, Totally Killer. That was fun. With, is is it Kira? Ki- mm. uh, Kiernan Shipka. Okay. Is it that one? Yes. Okay. With Kiernan Shipka. Yes. Because she's a lot like the other one. What, what other one? There's another girl and I get them confused. Really? Yes. I can't think of another Kiernan Shipka. Oh, but there is. I'll come up with it later. But it was, it was a fun movie. Yeah. I liked it, even though it had time travel. Yeah. They they made the time travel, like... Accessible? Yeah. They made it make sense? It wasn't too over the top. I, like, it didn't send me down a Terminator road, which is no, good. No, because usually time travel movies do. Yeah. Oh, man. I was watching uh, the end of the first Back to the Future movie a couple weeks ago. No, it was the second one. Where the like Western Union guy comes and delivers him the telegram and is like, you have to go to 1888 or whenever it was. Uh-huh. And, oh man, that got my mind going. <laughs> but, yeah. I thought the the mask was super creepy in that. Yes. And we the whole time we kept looking at it and we were like... It looks it like It looks someone. like something. What is it? What is it? What did I tell you? It was Billy Idol. And Max Hedrum. Uh, like combined. Yeah. And that that's a very good description of it. Yes. Um, I have some exciting news. It's probably not that exciting. Miramax has landed the TV rights to Halloween and is planning to create a Halloween cinematic universe. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't either. They're going to ruin it. From what I understand, like they're not doing anything with Michael. Like, it's going to be Michael adjacent, so I don't know if we're going to get, like, other cases Loomis worked on. So they're pretty much just going to Star Wars it? Yeah, And probably. beat it to death? Yeah. Yeah. I'll still watch. Hmm. I'm excited about it. Okay. Mildly. Cautiously. <laughs> so, uh, what movie or... What, what, blah, blah, blah. what movie did we watch, Mandy? We watched Night of the Living Dead from 19... 19- 1968. Which is insane. Yes. That's cra- Oh, oh. I opened a beer. <laughs> One thing I didn't know. Did you know? I, we haven't really rated the movies like as far as like what they're rated. No. But I, uh, I always just assume it's going to be R. I do too. So, and usually I make a little note of it, but this was released a month before the Nash or the Motion Picture Association of America adopted their rating system. That's pretty crazy. One month. So imagine like it wouldn't have been able to be released. No. They would have been like, um It would have had an X rating. Yeah. It's I, I can't imagine going to the afternoon matinee and they're just like, oh movies aren't rated and so let's just take the kiddos and see this spooky movie. Yeah. And they end up watching the original Night of the Living Dead in 1968. There's some traumatized children in the world. Yeah, well, maybe that's why serial killers came to rise after that. Maybe. <laughs> and then, like, when you think about it, like, my mom could be one of those children. Like, my mom was six when this came out. I thought you were going to say, my mom could be a serial killer. Well, she could be. I don't know. I mean, know. she might be. I hope she's not. If so, I mean, if we've been safe so far. Well, and if so, she's pretty good at hiding it. Yeah, she's been doing it for a long time, I guess. Yeah. Hasn't gotten caught. Works for her. So, a few movie facts and figures. It was released October 1st, 1968. It stars Judith O'Day, Dwayne Jones, 
Carl Hardman, Marilyn Eastman, Keith Wayne, and Judith Ridley. I like Keith Wayne. Keith Wayne. I like two first names together. Uh, It was directed by George A. Romero, written by John Russo and George A. Romero, produced by Russell W. Steiner and Carl Hardman, distributed by Continental Distributing, uh, and the production company was Image 10. It has a running time of 96 minutes. Um, Its budget was around $120,000, or $871,000 in today's money, so still a very low amount. Yes. Uh, Box office take was $30 million. Dollars, yeah. In 1968, it's 12 million domestically and 18 million internationally, which means that it's earned over 250 times its budget. Nuts. And it also made it one of the most profitable profitable movies of the time. Yeah, that w- its box office take would have been 261 million now, which even for like modern day horror movies, that's a lot. Is it? Uh, so Rotten Tomatoes score is a 95% with an 87% audience score. IMDb, I think, is a little low at 7.8 out of 10. Do you have any critic reviews? Mm-hmm. Shuffling your papers in the microphone. You guys want to hear my papers? New Yorker critic Pauline Kale called the film one of the most gruesomely terrifying movies ever made. When you leave the theater, you may wish you could forget the whole horrible experience. Ooh. And then Almer. Almer? Almar. Almar. Half Lideason. Oh, that's. <laughs> I think you nailed it. I did. Of the BBC said. Um, <laughs> There is a resounding lack of scent. Let's just start that over. Yeah. Yeah. Words. They're so hard. There is a resounding lacked. Lack. Why do I want to say lacked? I don't know. Lack. Lack. Of sentimentality that cuts the death (laughs) and chaos as a desperate bunch of people fight to stay alive. That's a pretty accurate description. I know. I kind of liked that. Yeah. Because they don't. They don't soften anything for you no, in this movie. No, that's yeah. all, that's all I have. Alrighty, I have uh, a writer for Variety who was not named in the sources that I looked at. Hmm. Uh, just said until the Supreme Court establishes clear-cut guidelines for the pon- pornography of violence, Night of the Living Dead will serve nicely as an outer limit definition by example. In a mere ninety minutes of this horror film, pun intended. That's so saucy. <laughs> Uh, casts uh, cast serious aspersions on the integrity and social responsibility of its Pittsburgh-based makers, distributor Walter Reed, the film industry as a whole, and exhibitors who book the pictures, as well as raising doubts about the future of the regional cinema movement and about the moral health of filmgoers who cheerfully opt for this unreviled orgy of sadism. I read that one, too, but it was really long, so I was like, I'm not writing all that down. Man. Yeah. Red to filth. (laughs) Do you think he liked it? You know, I hope he walked away going, all in all, though, I'd give it a nine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Roger Ebert was absolutely appalled that people were taking their children to see the movie and chided theaters who sold tickets to Night of the Living Dead to children. He said the kids in the audience were stunned. There was almost complete silence. 
the movie had stopped being delightfully scary about halfway through and had become unexpectedly terrifying. There was a little girl across the aisle from me, maybe nine years old, who was sitting very still in her seat and crying. It's hard to remember what sort of effect this movie might have had on you when you were six or seven, but try to remember, at that age, kids take the events on the screen seriously, and they identify fiercely with the hero. When the hero is killed, that's an unha- not an unhappy ending, but a tragic one. Nobody got out alive. It's just over. That's all. Ooh. <laughs> so I don't think Ebert liked it either. Well, and you have to think kids at the time had never seen zombies before. No. So it's it's not like they had a reference point of like, oh, I've seen this on TV or I've seen commercial, like cartoons yeah. of this or whatever. It's not like, like they were going to be like, ooh, Thackeray Banks and yeah. what's his name with the sewed shut mouth? Bob. <laughs> Billy. 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 Billy's a zombie. Billy. I'm going to say Bill, Billy Butcher, but that's the dude from um, <laughs> The Guys. Isn't that his name? Yeah. Bill Burr. <laughs> it's definitely Bill Burr. So what were your initial impressions of this movie? I know you've seen it a lot. A couple times. Um, I, I said, I mean, it's Night of the Living Dead. It's a legend. As well as, it's George A. Romero. He's a god. Yes. Is it the best movie ever? Like, no, probably not. But it's definitely a fun watch. Even, even you know, what, what are we now? 55 years later. Yeah. Like, it's still a good time. Yes. And then, like, seeing what they could accomplish at the time with no budget. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. And then I said, it's probably the only black and white movie we're going to watch. I think so. I can't. I couldn't think of anything no. else. Everything else is color. So I mean, this is kind of it's its own little special thing. Yeah, it's like in its own niche. Yeah. So I said, hands down, the most important horror movie ever made, in my opinion. I have a tattoo of Karen on my shin. Yeah. Uh, the gore, suspense, social commentary, renegade filmmaking, the effects, and the overall ballsiness of this film, I think, are what made the horror genre that I love. Yeah. Without this movie, I don't think you would have ever seen a Friday the 13th or, you know, a child's play. I think we would have stuck to, like, Universal Monsters. Yeah. Like, you would have still seen mummy movies and stuff like that, but... We'd still be talking about aliens and creatures. Yeah. I don't think we would have got to gore. No. And I, I know I say this a lot on this podcast, but, like, Imagine seeing this movie in 1968 mm-hmm. when, I mean, Psycho, when it came out, people were like, oh my God, it's so violent and disgusting. Yeah. Could you imagine seeing this? Uh, no. Like, there's like... They're eating people. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And you, you know, at the time, it's like they didn't know about movie tricks. Like, they probably thought those people were eating people. Especially little kids. Yes. To be like, oh my god, they killed that guy and ate him. <laughs> they actually cooked those two people in a truck. Mm-hmm. I like my people extra crispy. I do too. Original recipe just doesn't do it mm-hmm. for me. So uh, you want to head into the plot rundown? Sure. Who's taking the lead on this, you or me? Let's kind of go back and forth. Okay. Would you like to start? I'm too scared to do it all by my myself. All by my myself. Okay. <laughs> I can't do that. Really? Uh-uh. 
Um, so it's, we start off with a shot of a windy country road. We see a few houses, but it's pretty sparse. A car is driving along while cre- creepy music is playing. And then I said, there's lots of shots of a car driving. Cause there's, there's lots of shots there's of the car lots. driving. <laughs> um, the car pulls into a drive and we see a dilapidated sign that says cemetery entrance. And did you see how hard the driver was cutting that wheel to turn that huge Pontiac Le Mans <laughs> into that little tiny road? No power steering. I just, oh, man. <laughs> um, we pull into the cemetery and we finally see who's in the car. It's a man and a woman. He's wearing a suit and I put he's wearing squints glasses from the Sandlot. Oh, nice. They're kind of same, the, sim- the same. Um, there's a pretty blonde. Her hair is straight and but it kind of curls at the ends. She's got that nice like 60s kind of bouffanty straight mm-hmm. hair. And it looks like she's wearing a wool coat. She looks comfy. And then she's talking about how this should be called the first day of summer. I'm like, "Well, yeah, I can tell by your wool coat." <laughs> I, I I um abbreviated daylight savings times. Time and when I was looking at my notes, I could not figure out what DST was. That's why I stopped. I was like, "They're talking about DST. What does that mean?" Oh, isn't that like a rave drug? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then they're talking about how they have a three-hour drive home, and they—it just doesn't seem like either one of them really want to be there. No, and Johnny really doesn't want to be there. No. Oh yeah, we should say their names, I guess. Oh yeah. Johnny is the man. Barbara is the girl. And he woman. Has- Sweet ass driving gloves. Oh yes. I mean, if you're gonna be cranking that big old wheel on that Pontiac Le Mans, you need your driving gloves. <laughs> Johnny says that uh, I figure we either move mother out here or move the grave to Pittsburgh. So we assume now that they are siblings. Yes. Because at the beginning, I couldn't remember. Well, and I remember the first time I saw it, I was like. Are they going to tell us the relationship between these two? I know, because it's kind of flirty. Yeah. But. Not as bad as uh, the supposed twins in House of Wax. Ugh. <laughs> That's just dirty. I really hope Chad Michael Murray and Alicia Cuthbert hooked up, because if not, that was just <laughs> so much sexual tension that was unresolved. So we find out um, that they're driving six hours total just to put a marker on a grave. Yeah. And he says he doesn't even remember the man's face. (laughs) That's just excessive. Just tell her you did it. Yeah. Just go by it and be like, this is what we're going to take out to the grave. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow. And then you just go tell her like, yep, we did it. We did it. It's done. Yeah. I'm not driving three hours one way and three hours back. No. To put some flowers on a grave. And that car wasn't good on gas. No. They probably had to stop 12 times to fill up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As they're getting out of the car, the radio comes on saying they're back on the air after some technical difficulties. John tells Barbara that it wasn't the car. Oh, it wasn't the car, but it was the radio station that was having difficulties. Because I think they must have thought it was something wrong with the car. Yeah, she was probably like, you're stupid, Pontiac. But she doesn't really care. She just wants to go find the grave. So they proceed walking around the cemetery. Um, They can't find anyone to assist them. They're bickering about how late it is. And she nags him for not getting up earlier. and the whole time johnny's bitching (laughs) like the whole time like every fourth step he's like where do we even have to be here i was clearing my throat because somebody else likes to sleep in i love sleeping in (laughs) 
Because I love staying up late to watch horror movies. Yeah. But then he complains about losing an hour of sleep because of the time change. So is it spring or fall? It's spring. It's spring? Yeah, spring ahead. Well, I know, but it seems very fallout. Oh, well, it's early spring. Okay. Barbara, not moving at all, finally finds the grave. Yeah, she's just standing in the middle of the thing (laughs) looking lost. And then she's like, oh, there it is. Yeah. I, I really like when she tells Johnny, I think you just complained to hear yourself talk. Yes. They, <laughs> they bicker a lot. While Johnny's putting the flowers on the grave, he's complaining about where they go each year, saying the cemetery is cleaning them up and reselling them. And he ponders how many times they've bought the exact same one. I mean, it's fair. It's a valid point. Yeah. Capitalism and whatnot. Yeah. Barbara kneels next to the grave and prays. Johnny doesn't give a fuck. No. He tells her that char- church was this morning. <laughs> and at this point is when he is putting on his super awesome driving gloves. Yeah, he's ready to go. He's like, all right, you know what? Quit praying. I'm getting my gloves on. I got on. my gloves on. We're ready to go. And is- we, oh. get some, we get some thunderstorm sounds. It's, it's starting to get a little spooky. Yeah. And then we see a haggard looking older man kind of stumbling around the graveyard. And he is my favorite zombie infected, whatever you want to call them, ever. Really? I love him. He's like, he's got like the slack jaw thing. And yeah. He's like, I like it. He's kind of goofy looking. Uh, so Johnny recounts a story about jumping out at Barbara from behind a tree in this very cemetery. And their grandfather shaking his fist at him and saying, Sonny, you'll be damned to hell. And that's his excuse for not going to church. he's like well i'm already fucked anyway grandpa said i was going to hell grandpa cursed me to hell so i'm just gonna sleep in now (laughs) uh oh no jet what's the matter is no one paying attention to you i'm such a good boy so uh johnny continues kind of picking on barbara about being scared of the cemetery and then he says the line after he sees the man Mm -hmm. they're coming to get you barbara which is super creepy yeah like, and, if you say that at night, like, it just puts chills in your spine. And I love it so much. He tells her that the man shambling around is one of them, and he's coming for you. And he runs away playfully, and she kind of apologetically walks towards the shambling man. Uh, Johnny looks over at her rather gleefully at this point, like, <laughs> ha you're going to have to apologize to the guy because yeah. I was a dick. And she almost does look like she's going to go apologize to him. But as she gets close to her, he just like full on grabs her by the throat. Well, yeah. He's and uh, Johnny springs into action here. He does. He's like, "Hey, you don't touch my sister." And he kind of wrestles with the man, and the man's trying to bite him. He's going for him. That's weird. Johnny loses the little wrestling match and gets his head bashed against a gravestone. Mm-hmm. So I assume Johnny now has a depressed skull fracture because he hits pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, Barbara just takes off. She's running. First of all, she just sits next to a gravestone the whole time Johnny's fighting. Like, yeah. pick up a rock or something and help her brother. Take out the guy's like, legs. Like, do something. Yeah. Cobra Kai. Uh, so the shambling man follows her to the car and he's beating on the window trying to get in. He's pulling on the door handle and then he picks up a rock and he starts smashing at the window a few times and Barbara just kind of sits there and screams. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, he breaks the window with the rock, and then she gets an idea I never would have thought of. I know, I did, but Barbara does have some brains. 
Because she releases the car's emergency brake. Yeah, I would have just been like, well, I don't have the keys, so I'm dead. Yeah. But no, she pulls the parking brake. The car starts rolling down the road. Um, She looks back, taking her eyes off the road, and somehow sideswipes a tree real hard. <laughs> yes. A social commentary on those damned women drivers. Damn women drivers. <laughs> Do you know what a cabin air filter is? Now, your air filter, what that does... <laughs> Mandy got to go to the service center this week. Women don't know cars. Um, so she launches her she launches herself out of the passenger side of the car. And she's running down the road like crazy trying to get away from the man. And in the distance, we see a house. The house. And she's suddenly clutching everything. Oh, yeah. She loves hugging stuff. She, she's a clutcher. She hugs a gas pump. She clutches the gas pump, a pillar of the house, the side of the house. I, You know, there was that clothesline there. I don't know why she didn't go hug that. I don't either. So she tries a door and it's locked and she can't get in. She runs to the back of the house. The door back there happens to be open. So she enters and locks the door behind herself. So she's in the kitchen of a house and it's obvious that someone lives there. There's um, furniture, decorations on the walls. She explores the house and finds a broken lamp in the living room. So it looks like maybe there's been a struggle. Yes. It looks like something went down. Um, She wanders into the next room, which I guess is like a study. Creepy dead animal room. There's a desk (laughs) there. And like, yeah, there's a leopard or a cheetah pelt hanging on the wall. And then there's like boars, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. like Like a tusked boar. Yeah. And... I love the music stinger here. It was like, yeah, like this is the scariest thing you've ever experienced. Super scary music stinger. She enters the room and we see all the taxidermied heads on the walls. (laughs) (laughs) So outside we see the man um, clamoring into everything. Uh, Barbara picks up the phone and dials zero only to get some kind of weird like (laughs) siren. I wrote... There's a crazy awooga sound on the phone because <laughs> it's like. <laughs> so she hangs up and is like, well, I'll try it again. Hey, surprise. She gets the same thing. Um, so she ne- runs to the next room and grabs a knife and takes a look out the window to check on the man. But now she sees that he has two companions and they're staggering in a similar fashion to him and appear to be in shambles, too. They're having a rough day. That there's some weird people out lurking around. Yeah. Remind me to never go to Pittsburgh. If this is what they have going on there, I don't want to go. So Barbara decides to head upstairs, which is always the worst thing to do. Never. Maybe she read Max Brooks's zombie survival guide. Oh, yeah. The first rule is get upstairs, destroy the stairs. Oh, okay. I'd be okay with that. But at the top of the body, er, at the top of the (laughs) stairs. At the top of the body, there is a head. At the top of the stairs, we see a body. And the face is like creepy yeah it's all gnarly it it's like almost skeleton like and it looks like maybe it's been burned yeah and it is scary yes like even by today's standards yes like seeing it i'm like wow i don't like to look at it now i could have been traumatized by that yeah i'm sure there are people that were i want to meet them and just like call them out for being horror movie pussies (laughs) (laughs) yeah you have to like go with the time though um, so Barbara loses her shit because she saw something scary and that's all Barbara does is lose her shit. Yeah, and she she decides to react by stumbling and bumping around into everything. 
Yeah. She's like, oh, look at this wall. I could run into that. She forgot how to clutch. Yes. So now she just bumps. She can't hug things, so she just has to head on in, into them, you know? So then she um, runs out onto the front porch, at, which was a dumb idea as well. Yeah, you know that the walking <laughs> dead are out there, so let's go outside for let's a while. Let's go outside and see what happens. But we see bright light flood her and it's car headlights. So suddenly there's a man in front of her. Um, and for a second, we think maybe it's one of the stumblers. I refer to them as stumblers for a while. I like that. Because I like, they just stumble. Yeah. So then he grabs Barbara and pulls her into the house. We see he's also holding a weapon. It's a tire iron. And that first look they exchange with each other, I love how they both look scared of each other. Yes. Like, he's looking at, and we're just going to say, like, it's 1968. Yes. He's a black man. And she's a white woman. Yeah. That- and she is like the prototypical, like, European white woman. Yes. She's a wasp. Yeah. Like, 100%. And they both look at each other, and he's looking at her like he's terrified of mm-hmm. her. And she's looking at him like, okay, A, he might be one of these... these Scary things. Sh- these shambling men. If not, he is black. Yeah. And, you and can just- I'm alone in a house with him. And even though, like, later in the movie, like, they both kind of have their... Well, actually, I'll say Dwayne Jones didn't really have any bad acting in this movie. I thought he was really good. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Judith O'Day has some questionable <laughs> moments in the movie. Lots. But that scene right there, like, you can just read on their faces. Yeah. Like, exactly what was going through the characters' minds. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's like the opposite of a meat cute. It's a meat ugly. <laughs> So he tells Barbara not to worry. He can handle the guy outside, but he should, or they should be concerned that more will show up once they find out they're there. <laughs> I didn't know his name, so I just called him Tire Iron Man. <laughs> um, tells her that his truck's out of gas and that the pump outside is locked and requires a key and asks her if she knows where the key is. Barbara's gone catatonic. Yeah. And it annoys the piss out of me. And she doesn't answer him. And she just, she's in shock. But it's annoying. So he tries the phone and gets the same siren thing that Barbara got. Barbara walks by him towards the stairs. Which, why is she going back towards the stairs again? I think she was, uh, you know, like when a cat will lead you to something that they want. (laughs) I think she was like trying to communicate with him. Like, there's something bad up there. Are you okay? (laughs) Um, He asks her if she lives there. And again, she doesn't answer and just makes some moaning noises and looks in the direction of the stairs so he runs up and discovers the body he almost falls down the stairs yeah he reacted real harsh to that <laughs> he, he was like okay that's gross i don't want to see that anymore uh he tells barbara that they have to get out of there they need to find a place with more people and he tells her they'll need food and to go to the kitchen to investigate and this whole time she's like hugging herself and swaying back and forth like, At this point, I'm pretty sure Barb is on X. Yeah, well, you know, she was either on X or maybe that DST. Probably DST. <laughs> because she, she's just like touching everything like she's never been in a house before. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I like here, too, that you can see like the blood dripping from upstairs onto the floor next to her. Uh-huh. And she's like, fuck this. And she just like <laughs> takes off running. <laughs> Some of it gets on her, though. It gets on her hand. Well, yeah. I I guess that's not ideal. Yeah. So then she starts touching her face and her hair a lot. 
because I don't know what else to touch. I'll just touch myself. When um. I think about dead bodies, <laughs> I touch myself. Oh. Um, so finally, she decides, decides to start talking, and she asks the man, what is happening? And, oh. then, and then we cut to outside. Yeah. And we see there are zombies smashing out the lights on the truck. That's not good. No. I kind of like that these zombies are, are, can use tools. Yes. They're, they're above primate. They're upper primates. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're called? Higher primates? I don't know. I don't know. Biology's not my thing. I don't believe in evolution. Oh, yeah, that's true. Dinosaurs were put here by... Dinosaur bones were put here by God to test us. To test us. <laughs> yeah, the zombies are uh, not digging the headlights on the truck, so no. they smash them out. Yeah. And now the man is trying to get some info out of Barb, and she just flips out. <laughs> like, she just loses it. She's, like, screaming, and he's just like, how about you sit on the couch? And he kind of throws her at the couch. Pretty much. So then he goes outside just to kick some zombie ass. He's like, they broke the headlights on my truck. Yeah. I'm not happy. So he goes outside, he beats one to death with a lug wrench, uh, and he hits it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, he's taken out some aggression. Yeah, I, I think that was cathartic for yeah. him. Another one manages to make its way inside the house, and uh, he's outside dispatching of its buddies, and it's just walking straight at Barbara. It's gonna get her. Yeah. But luckily, the man comes back inside, and he fights off the invader, and he stabs the zombie in the head with a lug wrench, and we actually get to see the wound. Mm-hmm. And it looks bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, not bad. Like, like it looks good. It looks good. But it looks bad. Like, that's exactly what I imagine it would look like if you stabbed a corpse in the head with a lug wrench. <laughs> so, good job to the makeup department. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is another one of the shamblers, and he's coming up the front steps, and the man bashes it in the face and then closes the door, and now we see there are a lot more coming. Mm-hmm. There's a whole field full of friends. There's a lot more. And the man says, they know we're in here now. They do. So Barbara seems very enamored with the dead zombie on the floor, and uh, the man urges her not to look at it, and then he drags it out of the house while the others look on, and he pulls the ultimate power move here. He lights the zombie on fire and pushes it off the front porch. Yeah, he's he's showing the other zombies dominance. Yeah. Look at your buddy. And the other zombies kind of back away, and the man goes inside, and he barricades the back door, and now he just springs into action. And he instructs Barbara to get some lights on. Instead, she stands by the fridge. Uh, He finds nails and tells her to find some wood that they can use to board up the house. And she just kind of staggers towards him and he he loses his cool for a second. I would. He looks at her and goes, look, God damn it. And then he cuts it short and he, he calmly tells her, you know, we're both afraid, but we need to do something so that we don't die right now. (laughs) And Barbara reacts well. To uh, him giving her the caring tack. Mm-hmm. She starts wandering around aimlessly. She touches everything again. She likes to touch things. And then she watches a music box for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, the man is out there just gathering up all the wood. Like He's he just has- like ripping doors off yeah. the hinges. He's got doors. He's got an ironing board. Yeah. And she's just like walking around and then she goes by the fireplace and grabs three tiny little scraps of wood. She finds the smallest wood in the house. (laughs) You know, she was proud too. She was. (laughs) Then she just sets them on top of the fridge without saying anything. Yeah. And 
she's starting to come out of it, I feel like. A little bit. She goes over and she actually helps him. She kind of pushes on a door that he's trying to hammer or nail up over another door. Mm-hmm. So Ben explains to her that, I guess, I now we know his name's Ben. 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 I just kind of said that. Benny and Barbie. Ooh. Um, ben explains that the zombies are afraid of fire, and he found that out when he burned the one. Um, he's trying to make small talk, explaining how he found the truck that he's driving at a diner down the road. This is all while he's taking the legs off the dining room table, because he's getting wood anywhere he can. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that. Ben's smart. Yeah, he is. Says he got into the truck to listen to the radio, um, and a gas truck came barreling down the road by him. There were 10 to 15 zombies hanging on it and chasing it, and it crashed. And then he ke- oh, and then he keeps talking for a really long time. <laughs> I like when he said it crashed into gas pumps and became a rolling bonfire. <laughs> Ooh. Um, he said he could hear the man screaming, which that's disturbing. Yeah, that's going to change you. Yeah. Um, ben said he looked back at the diner, but it was surrounded by zombies, so he decided to drive through the horde of zombies and was amazed how they didn't try to get out of the way. They just stood there, and they scattered through the air like bugs. Dwayne Jones absolutely killed this scene. Yes. He just tore it you, up. You can tell he's disturbed. Yeah. Um. So Barbara finally decides to talk, because I guess she's not catatonic anymore. Um, and she tells Ben about how her and Johnny were visiting the cemetery. They came to put a wreath on their father's grave. And then she explains the entire conversation her and Johnny had earlier. He asked me if there were any candy <laughs> left, but there wasn't. And then he, <laughs> she tells him how a zombie grabbed her and shook her. And then she starts getting hysterical. Yes. And she has to like get her coat off. <laughs> oh, it's hot. Yes. But she just keeps telling, it shook me, it shook me. Um, So Ben's trying to get her to calm down, but she's convinced they need to go find Johnny. Um, They get kind of physical as Barbara's trying to get out of the house, and Ben (laughs) tells her that her brother is probably dead. Barbara slaps him across the face, and then he just hauls off and punches her. (laughs) Yes. Like, full on decks her. Like, I rewound it a couple of times because I was like... Was that a closed hand? Yes. <laughs> I kept going. His hand's closed. That's a closed hand. I mean, not that she didn't deserve it, but... Yeah. It, he's already going through it, and then she's like, I'm going to slap you. But also, like, I can't... Um, besides all the gore and everything, I can't imagine how that was received at that oh, time. Oh, God. Like, I said, I'm surprised there weren't people picketing yeah. about just that. A black man struck a white woman. Yeah. You can't put that on the screen. So Barbara falls down when he punches her, obviously. (laughs) I like that she goes (laughs) cross-eyed first. (laughs) She, like, goes cross-eyed and then passes out. Um, So she kind of stands up, and then she passes out. And Ben picks her up and puts her on the couch, and he starts undoing the buttons on her coat. So then you're kind of like, oh, was he going to do something bad here? But he's not. He's just doing it so she can breathe better. Well, and she was also all like, I'm hot. Yes. It's hot in here. Yes. So Ben turns on the radio and the announcer essentially says that they are under a state of emergency in the area. Says these are the facts that they know so far. There's an epidemic of mass murder being committed by a virtual army of unidentified assassins. Ass, ass, ins. Ass, ass, in. <laughs> the murders are taking place in villages, cities, 
rural homes, and suburbs with no apparent pattern or reason for the slayings. It seems to be a sudden general explosion of mass homicide. Which is metal as fuck. <laughs> general explosion of mass homicide. Yes. I guarantee that has been in like a Demu Borgir song. <laughs> they look like ordinary people. Some people describe them as being in kind of a trance. And the announcer says they really don't know who to look out for or what to guard yourself against. Which yeah. is kind of terrifying when the enemy is essentially you. Yeah. And uh, I wrote in my notes here, uh, they said that they were going to stay on 24 hours a day to report. And I was like, oh, great. This is where the world went to hell. The creation of the 24-hour news cycle. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben looks out the window and there are more zombies gathering around. He starts a fire and the uh, announcer is mentioning Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Miami, and eastern and midwest states. So we can conclude that it is spreading. Um, the announcer t is telling people to remain indoors and to keep listening to the radio. <laughs> but the radio's really not helping. They're just like, yeah, so there's people out there and they're just <laughs> killing everything. We don't know what's going on either, but we're going to stand here and tell you all about it. For 24 hours. Uh-huh. Um, so Ben creates a torch and he takes a chair outside and burns it to help keep the zombies away. Um, as he's coming in, we hear the radio say that the president has just scheduled a meeting with his cabinet to deal with a sudden epidemic of murder, which has, see which has seized the eastern third of the nation. That's, that's, a, that's not good. That's like a lot of the country. Yeah. And uh, during this radio report, he says that they're pulling in people from NASA. Yeah. Like, why would NASA need to be on, on be in on this? It's kind of weird. Dun, dun, dun. And now we see Ben is pulling doors off the hinges, and uh, he checks out the one in the living room, and when he does, it reveals a basement door hiding behind. It was hidden by the living room door before, but now we know there's a, a cellar. There's a cellar? <laughs> uh, Barbara wakes up kind of woozily at this point, and <laughs> the radio voice says, wholesale murder, which is also really badass and needs to be in a song. <laughs> You know, honestly, I think this movie taught me everything I need to know about barricading my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, I never would have thought to rip doors off of, like, off their hinges and, like, hang them over things. Yeah, I think I might have come up with that. I would have just been like, I don't have any wood. I'm going to die. <laughs> Ben's gotten the, the bottom floor of the house pretty well boarded up. So he sits down, he lights a smoke, and then his sitting doesn't last very long because mm -mm. he jumps up and goes and checks a closet. He finds some shoes for Barbara. This was so nice. Yeah. He noticed she was barefoot and he was like, hey, these shoes look about right. Yeah. He's thoughtful. And then he finds a rifle. Yes. And he finds some ammunition. Barbara is now fully awake and she sheds her coat and Ben brings her the shoes. And <laughs> he's kind of trying to act like nothing happened here. Mm -hmm. Like, sorry, I didn't punch you in the face. He's like, so uh, how's it going? I got you some shoes, by the way. And I'm going to put them on your feet for you here. Everything's boarded up pretty well around here, and we have a gun and bullets and food and a radio, and sooner or later, somebody should come for us. And he looks kind of hurt that she wasn't like, hey, thanks for the shoes, bro. Uh-huh. Like, he kind of looks at her like, okay, I just did this nice thing for you. Well, and like, I just spent, like, how long boarding up the entire fucking house? Yeah. And he just looks at her like, oh, no thanks. All right. So uh, the radio reiterates that people should just stay inside a locked house. It's a good idea. Ben goes upstairs, but he assures Barbara that he'll be okay, and she's going to be okay downstairs, because he's got it boarded up. 
Now the radio says that the murder victims are showing evidence of being partially devoured. And Barbara looks uncomfortable. She didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. So Ben drags the corpse away from the stairs, and we cut back to Barbara, who is getting a really gnarly bruise on her jaw. And the radio kind of drones on and reveals that in all cases, the murdered are being eaten. Uh, Barbara hears a sound and notices the door to the living room is moving. The door flies open and two men spring out of the basement door. Ben hears the commotion. He flies down the stairs. Not literally flies. He was running. Yeah. He doesn't have the power of flight yet. Not yet. One of the basement men is super stoked about the radio. He's like, look, it's a radio. (laughs) And Ben looks disgusted and asks how long they've been down there. So it's an older man and a younger man. And the older man says, that's the cellar. It's the safest place. And he was one of the producers of this movie. Mm -hmm. And Ben asks why they didn't come upstairs when they heard the commotion. And the older man's like, it sounded like the place was being torn apart. And we didn't know if it was the crazy people Mm -hmm. out there or what. And he's like, you didn't hear this lady screaming for help? And he's like, well, those things could have just been ripping her apart for all we knew. Yeah. Ben's not having this story. No. He's like, no, you're selfish. You're a coward. And I don't like you. Ben's the hero. And I like it because uh, Ben looks at him and he's like, it would be nice if you got your story straight, man. Yeah. Because at first he's like, oh, we can't really hear anything down there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, we heard it. But, you know. We, we just chose to ignore it. Didn't do it. anything. So then Ben and we learned later his name is Mr. Cooper. Mister Hanging with Mr. Cooper. They're hanging with Mr. Cooper. Um, they're arguing about whether they should stay upstairs or go downstairs. Ben is kind of trying to take control of the situation while Tom, the young young man, is trying to calm everyone down. Mr. Cooper tells Ben that they aren't safe, that the zombies could definitely get into the house. Um, They turned over their car and they barely made it out. And Tom reveals that there's a wife and kid downstairs. And he is obsessed with that basement. Yes. I think he says cellar about 85 times during this movie. Yes. And we find out also that the child downstairs is hurt. She's hurt. She's hurt. Um, so then Ben and Mr. Cooper argue about whether the zombies are strong or weak. Ben says he can easily smash three of them. And Mr. Cooper brings them brings up them flipping their car over again. So at this point, Cooper's like, <laughs> we absolutely have to go downstairs. Yeah. And Ben's like, no, that place is a death trap. There's no way to get out of there. You know, I can see both sides here. Mm. But, I mean, this this whole pissing match, I'm going to be the alpha. It's just human behavior. Yes. This is where I noted that, like, I loved this whole scene. Mm-hmm. Because it's just a play. Yeah. And you can tell that, like, all of these people had done stage acting. Yes. Like, just because by the way they the, were acting. Their mannerisms are very stage-like. And uh, so now Tom speaks up and he's talking to Mr. Cooper and he says, you know, if we were on the main floor, we'd have some options for escape. But in the basement, we're trapped if anything got in. There are windows upstairs so we can see if a rescue squad came. And Cooper argues that the basement is the strongest place. And Ben's like, no, it's a death trap. (laughs) The younger guy agrees with Ben and Cooper says he's going to the basement and he's going to lock the door and he's not going to open it again. So the younger guy tells him to think about it rationally. They could run to the basement if they needed to, but they need things from upstairs, too. At this point, I think Ben's just had enough. Also, Mr. Cooper just looks so ridiculous. 
With his nice high-waisted slacks. <laughs> his pants fit so high, and then he kind of hunches his like shoulders over so that his tie <laughs> gets that weird bubble in it. And then the pockets on his pants are like more on the side of his yeah. pants. And it he just looks like an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> but yeah, ben, Ben's had enough of the conversation. Yes. He kind of walks away. He's walking by a window, and hands burst through the window and grab at him. Tom, the younger man, comes over and he's hacking at the hands with, is it just like a hunk of wood? Yeah, I put a chunk of wood. And, oh, uh, it's a chunk of the wood from atop the refrigerator that Barbara got. Oh, yeah. Barbara was helpful. She's so useful. Uh, so he cuts off several of their fingers, but the hands just keep grasping at him. Ben shoots one, but it just keeps coming. It takes two more rounds to the chest and keeps coming. But then we see one shot to the head brings him down. Now we can see that there are a bunch more coming, including a naked one. There's a naked zombie. We got to see it naked? The ones that are coming up are in way rougher shape than the ones we saw before. Mm -hmm. Like, one of them eats a bug off of a tree, and Mm -hmm. its eyes all weird. It's not like some of them have, like, parts of their faces missing, and they're not looking great. They're becoming more zombified. Yes. And the makeup here is really good. It is. Like, I was impressed. And even, like, that hand-chopping scene, I mean, you can clearly tell that it was, like, a wax hand. Well, I've said that you could see one of them was made out of, like, a brown paper bag. Oh, really? Yeah, you could see it was, like, almost, like, paper mache Yeah. I mean, for the time. It's awesome. Yeah. So Ben yells at Cooper to get back downstairs if he wants to go. And uh, Cooper's like, you know what? I'm just going to take the lady downstairs with me. And Ben tells him that he's fighting for everything upstairs and if cooper wants to go back downstairs get (laughs) i love that he yells get Get. at him so uh tom's kind of stuck in the middle of the arguments between ben and cooper and i feel sorry for him Mm -hmm. he's trying to keep the peace and he's trying to appeal to both of their senses of reason i think that he realizes that ben's the smarter one yeah but he's already formed a bond with Mr. Cooper. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if they had a bond before this or if it was just their time in the cellar. Yeah. It changes a man. I know. (laughs) Here's where Cooper reveals that his daughter is hurt and she can't make it back to the basement if shit hits the fan upstairs. So Ben hits him with, it's tough for the kid that her old man is so stupid. Now get back down into the cellar and you you can be boss down there. I'm boss up here. And I really like Ben. And he, um, I, the line he delivered here was now go get the hell down in the cellar. And he delivered that line just so perfectly. Yes. It was good. And I really like the power struggle. Yeah. Like you can see Cooper thinking that he isn't going to take any direction from this guy. And you can see Ben, like he's not going to automatically defer to the eldest white man in the group. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, I made this place safe. I have the plan. Yeah. You're going to listen to me for once. Shit's hit the fan. Screw civil rights. I'm in charge. Yeah. And I really like it. Mean, especially when you find out that the role of Ben was not written with for- an African-American man in mm-hmm. mind. And that when he came in, they were like, let's change this up a little bit. Yeah. It ended up being a really powerful statement. Yes. And like you said, I bet a lot of people were pissed. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. Like, you made the hero of the movie a black man? Mm-hmm. I bet that shook things up a little bit. Mr. Cooper threatens that once he closes the door to the cellar, it won't be opening back up again. 
And Tom tries to plea with him and that if he could just stay and help. But Ben cuts him off and tells him that Mr. Cooper's already made up his mind and he should just let him go. So we see Tom kind of rush to the door and he yells for Judy to come upstairs. He calls her honey. I'd call her honey. She's a cutie. Yeah. So up comes a very pretty young woman. Um, She's kind of got like a Bridget Bardot thing going on a little bit. Um, She looks very nervous. Mr. Cooper runs through the door and locks it and then puts a huge chunk of wood in front of it. Um, From outside, Tom is begging Mr. Cooper to stay and help. Ben is kneeling in front of Barbara, trying to get her to come out of her daze because apparently she's in a daze again. She's often dazed. I wonder if this is just how she always was. I don't know. Can you imagine if she's just like sitting at work and just all of a sudden she zones out and they're like, "Ah, Barbara's doing the thing again. Yeah. (laughs) Because even in the car, like when she's talking to Johnny, she's like. She's weird. A little bit. Like when he asks if there's candy, she's like. (laughs) Maybe she's drunk. Maybe. I think a lot of people used to be drunk back then. (laughs) So um, we cut to the cellar and in the cellar we see a middle aged woman. She's really quite pretty she is she's Um, very put together too she's way too pretty to be with mr cooper yes and then we see a girl of about 11 um laying on a table covered by her coat her eyes are closed and she's wearing a cute dress she is wearing a cute dress it's got some frilliness on it um mr cooper tells his wife that he locked them inside and she asks about tom and judy um he tells her that they chose to stay upstairs and then he kind of explains to her like about Ben and Barbara. Um, through this, I kind of thought it seemed like she was talking down to him. Yes. Like very much so. Well, and I, I got the impression the whole time that like she calls the shots in the family. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's being such a dickhead upstairs. Like, I'm going to be in charge for once. Yeah. She calls him Harry. So now we know Mr. Cooper's Harry. Yeah. Harry Cooper. <laughs> um, and about how he always has to prove himself right. That's kind of his personality yeah. i guess like he's which, going to be right no matter what which he's already showed to us he's like i'm right you're wrong so he mentions the radio upstairs and now she's pissed at him for locking him down there um he tells her that what the radio was saying um and we find out her name is helen she yells at him a lot yes <laughs> and we find out that their marriage isn't doing great I wrote down that I like her. She isn't afraid to put her husband in his place. And she hits him with the line that just like eviscerates him. She's like, we may not enjoy living together, but dying together isn't going to solve anything. Those people aren't our enemies. Ouch. And you can just see him like he was kind of taking an aggressive stance Uh with her for a second. Like I thought he was going to like slap her. Yeah. And she said that, and you just see him, like, melt. He's just like, okay, I'm done. I'll I'll stop being an asshole now. (laughs) She put put me in my place. Um, So Tom yells from upstairs that Ben found a TV. They can watch Game Show Network. Ooh, I love GSN. (laughs) Um, Helen asks if Judy will come downstairs to watch the kids so that she can go upstairs and see. Judy asks if she has to. She's not a very good actress. No, she's not. Her looks make up for it. (laughs) Um, Harry lets Judy into the cellar and she assures Helen she'll take good care of the kid. So then Helen and Harry both go upstairs. Barbara's still on E and is playing with a doily. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you said she's on E because I immediately thought like she's out of gas. Oh. But no, she's on ecstasy. She's on E because she's playing with a doily. (laughs) 
Um, Helen waits with Barbara while the guys leave to go find different things. Um, Harry's bitching about the windows not being strong enough. And Helen yells at him to nut up or shut up. (laughs) Um, Then Ben yells at him too. Ben's getting kind of scary. Yeah. I I feel like Ben is like one Cooper argument away from just lighting the house on fire. Like he's just done with him. Um, The TV comes on and we hear like the EAS thing. Yeah. And there's a newscaster explaining how zombies work. Hi, Jet. <laughs> um, the National Civil Defense says that it has been or has established that persons that recently died are returning to life and committing acts of murder. And as soon as the TV comes on, Cooper immediately starts talking shit to the television. <laughs> It's like the TV comes on. He's like, what? You think we didn't know that already? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my God, just throw him down the basement stairs and hope he breaks everything. Yeah. Um, so they say that there's going to be rescue stations with all the good stuff, food, water, protection. Ben says, great, we've got that truck. The newscaster says space, and sci- space scientists are involved. There was a satellite or something that was going to orbit Venus and it came back. Apparently it was full of radiation and they destroyed it but they think they might have released something. Could that radiation be responsible for the mutations we're seeing? Hmm. My my favorite part of the news report is when uh, the newscaster says that reports from morgues, funeral homes, and hospitals confirmed that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. <laughs> I always wanted to use that little clip in like the beginning of a song. Yeah, that'd be good. But I never wrote a song about zombies. No, just me. No. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the last band I was in, I, I wrote, I think, almost all of the lyrics for that, that band uh, just after Mandy and I had had a little breakup, and I wasn't happy, and like all of our songs were about me killing Mandy. It worked out. We're doing good. Uh, so we cut to a scene of a like, news retweet. Of a news retweet? News reporters chasing down a scientist and a bureaucrat um, as they're walking. They're asking about the connection between the probe and the virus. Uh, the scientist guy essentially says, yes, like. This is definitely what caused everything to happen. <laughs> this is what's going on. And the bureaucrat guy is like, I don't know. Let's just wait and see. And then the military guy is like, OK, guys, shut up. We're going to get in the car now. <laughs> um, so back at the farmhouse, the gang's discussing going to a rescue center. Tom says the nearest one is 17 miles away. Um, Judy and him are from the area, and they were headed up to go swimming. Which, everybody was wearing, like, jackets and coats and stuff. Yes. Seems very cold to go swimming. Yes. These people were doing polar plunges. Well, and it was DST. Yeah. So it was, what, like, April? Yeah. That's cold. Yeah. Especially Pittsburgh? It's not warm in Pittsburgh. A Pittsburgh lake in April? Yeah. I don't want to do that. Meanwhile, on the TV, they're explaining that anyone who's been hurt needs to urgently seek care. Everyone freaks out because the little kid in the basement, her name is Karen, we find out, is all fucked up. And Ben tells Helen that she needs to go be with her own kid and Judy can come upstairs. Which I I think's fair. I like when... uh when Cooper, I know she was just like, I want to go watch TV. Send Judy downstairs. Yeah, which is fine for like five minutes, but like, go take care of your fucking kid. Yeah. Oh, one thing I didn't mention, I, I didn't even write it in my notes, is 
I really liked that when Helen came upstairs, she like kind of immediately started mothering Barbara. Yes. She was like, okay, this girl's in need. Mm -hmm. And like she lights her cigarette and Barbara kind of looks at her and she's like, you don't have to be scared of me. Yeah. I'm Mrs. Cooper. Well, and she doesn't like push it either. She's just like. I'm here. I'm here if you need me. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a friendly face. She immediately goes into mom mode when mm-hmm. she saw somebody in need. Sorry, I, I kind of derailed. But. That's okay. I like derailments. The newscaster tells, oh no, maybe not a newscaster. I put TV guy, um, tells of a cadaver that had all four limbs amputated, um, still came back to life and was still trying to move. And um, explains that the bodies come back to life within minutes and they need to be burned immediately after they die. Yes. So that's that's not good. No. And I like when the uh, the guy on the news is like, yeah, it doesn't really give people time to grieve or have any comforts of a funeral. But yeah, yeah just go ahead and take them out to the street and burn them. <laughs> and he tells you, take them out to the street and burn them. Where else are you going to do it? I mean. Yeah, don't do it in your house. No. That's a bad idea. Ben makes a plan to make Molotov cocktails to throw because he knows that they're scared of fire. And it's riot time. Um, Harry's finally useful. He is. And he mentions that there's a key ring and it probably has a key to the pump. Um, and then all of a sudden they magically find everything they need. They do. There's jars in the fruit cellar. Uh-huh. And they, uh, was it Judy that he put in charge of like tearing up some bed sheets to yes. make the fuses? Yes. Yeah. I don't Just know if all... you call them fuses, but. I don't think it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Molotov cocktail. Yeah. Ben says he's nervous about driving the truck, so Tom says he'll drive it. Ben and Tom are the ones that are going to go, and so Ben tells the guys the plan, but we kind of get the feeling that Harry's upset that he doesn't get to go. He looks hurt, (laughs) because Ben tells him, like, okay, you're going to go upstairs, you're going to throw the Molotov cocktails, Tom and I are going to go. Like, your job's still important, Harry. And Cooper looks at him like, I want to go for a ride. Like, you're running defense, dude. Yeah. I, I like, too, how he makes him feel special. He's like, you need to stay back here to protect the place. Yeah. That's like what you tell the useless person in the group when you're doing a group project. <laughs> you're like, you have the most important job of all. You have to go buy a new notebook. You need to bring the pencils. Yeah. At this point, Judy's looking scared that Tom's going to leave on this mm-hmm. this crazy mission. She wants to call her parents. So Tom comes to calm her down and... They make some Molotov cocktails together, which I think is a really sweet moment. He says, you've always had a little smile for me. Come on, show me that smile. That's what serial killers say. He reminds her of the time that they had a big flood, and she didn't want to evacuate, but in the end, it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Tom's shaking, she's shaking, but there's some work to do, so, you know, just put your shakenness aside. They share a nice little kiss. And then Judy tells Barb that she needs to go downstairs. And uh, Ben explains to her that it's part of their plan to leave. And Barb says, oh, yes, I would like to leave. (laughs) And she's completely useless. And at this point, I'm like, can you just throw her outside? Just throw her outside. Never put me in charge of your apocalyptic group because... Mm -mm. I'll let somebody die on purpose. I'll be like, you know, we can just feed the zombies her. And then we can run right past them. Just run the other way. Yeah. So outside, the zombies are interested in some noises from the house, and Ben springs the plan into action. He tells Cooper to toss the Molotov cocktails. The zombies still hate fire, by the way. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, oh, and did you notice SAG would not approve of this? The actor who was playing Cooper was actually handling real Molotov cocktails and chucking them <laughs> out the window. Like, oh, man, where was SAG when you needed them? Yeah. Not worried about things like that. <laughs> so Cooper runs downstairs after tossing the cocktails, and Judy looks like she's having second thoughts about this whole plan. Uh, ben and Tom run outside, and they're wrestling with some zombies, and it gets intense, and there's a very heavy-stringed score going now. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, frantic, I guess. Yeah. It, it creates a sense of urgency. Yeah. And uh, Judy runs to Tom, and Cooper's like, uh, hey, no, don't do that. And she's like, nah, I'm just going to go with my boyfriend, because I don't want to be here with Harry. Yeah, I don't blame her. Uh, so when she gets outside, Cooper locks the door, and she looks kind of confused, kind of looking back and forth like, oh, I made a mistake here. Do I run to the <laughs> truck, or do I go back inside? And Ben tells her, if you're coming, then come on, then. And uh, she gets into the truck, Ben shoots one, and then picks up a torch and he jumps into the bed of the truck, too, and he looks really badass. He's like Indiana Jones in it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got his rifle in one hand, yeah. and he's got his torch in the other, just he's riding just, in the open like bed of a pickup. Setting zombies on fire. Just, he was like the original Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Cooper's watching through the window as the truck pulls away, and Ben keeps the zombies at bay with his torch. Uh, he's watching their progression as more and more of the zombies kind of shamble towards the not really speeding truck. Yeah. Uh, Tom can't get the key to work on the gas pump and Ben shoots the lock off of it, which I think that's a pretty ballsy move, Ben. That, well, I mean, you're going to die one way or another. So why yeah. not try? Tom sprays gas all over the ground and the side of the truck. Just everywhere. And the torch was laying on the ground. So it ignites the fire. Uh, Ben's trying to tamp out the flames. Tom's like, I'm just going to drive the truck away now. The truck's on fire. I should drive. Yeah. So Ben urges uh, Tom and Judy to get out of the truck. And Tom realizes, hey, maybe it's a bad idea. Let's bail out of the truck. But Judy's dress is caught and the truck explodes and it kills Tom and Judy. Bye. And the zombies are starting to advance on Ben. And as Cooper is looking on, you can see on his face, he's like, well, that plan failed. They're dead. Mm hmm. So Ben shoots a zombie, and then he uses his torch to kind of hold off the rest of them. Uh, He runs back to the house with zombies in hot pursuit, and he reaches the door. We can see that Cooper is starting to retreat to the basement. Uh, Ben bangs on the door and calls for Cooper to open up. Cooper doesn't. No. (laughs) Ben kicks in the door, and he gives Cooper a look that could kill twice. Yeah. He looks at him like, I'm going to deal with this door, and and then then I'm I'm going to deal deal with with you. you. (laughs) So Cooper runs over to help, like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Like, oh, shit, maybe I should take care of this. So now they actually work together to barricade the door, and they exchange a really tense glance, and then Ben beats the fuck out of Cooper. Yeah. He he hits him a lot. Yeah, he beats the shit out of him. And then he points at him and says, I ought to drag you out there and feed you to those things. He should. (laughs) I'm like, do it. Take Barb while you're at it. Yeah. Um, so then the zombies are um, at the truck, and we assume they're eating Tom and Judy. Um, they're each taking their, tur- their their turn and grabbing a piece like it's a buffet. Yeah, and <laughs> it's very orderly. <laughs> yes. They're not like animals. They don't just all pounce. Um, and then there's multiple clips of them devouring different body parts, and it's... It's graphic. It's bad. They're um, pulling out guts. 
they're it, snacking it, on the meats. As someone who struggles to eat meat off of a bone. Oh, yeah. The scene is just horrifying. Well, it's, that one is like peeling the meat off the bone with his teeth. It's just like so much slurping and chewing and bones and flesh and like squelching noises. Yeah. And I imagine it, it's also hard for people with like misophonia. Yeah. They're like hearing all this like. Yes. But like, I really did like when they were each like coming up and picking one piece of the body part and then moving on. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's very orderly, like a church potluck. It was. People were more civilized back then, even zombies. <laughs> um, Barbara starts going on and on about it being 10 till 3, and the newscaster says there will be an announcement at 3 o'clock. Um, and she's all daisy and on E again. Um, she's compl- saying that Johnny has the keys. Johnny has the keys. We don't need Johnny's fucking keys. No. That has nothing to do with where we're at right now, Barbara. <laughs> So they discuss walking to the Cooper's car, but it's like a mile away. Um, at this point, Ben realizes that Barbara has a car. Um, on the TV, we hear them call, oh, called ghouls for the first time. I love it. I don't know. I'm not a big, I'm not big on ghouls. I like it. Unless they're nameless. Nameless ghouls are the best ghouls. <laughs> so on T, oh no. Um, so we hear that you have to shoot them in the head or cause great damage to it. Pretty much it's just martial law now. And then we cut to a group of Trump supporters going hunting. Yes. They've uh, they've even got their asshole leader. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing like a bandolier. Mm-hmm. He's like, check out all my ammo, bitch. Yeah. The chief of police is, he's an amazing actor. Oh, yes, yes. And one thing I don't get is they say he's the chief of police and then they keep calling him sheriff. <laughs> They're like, yeah, let's go talk to the chief of police. Hey, Sheriff McClellan, is his first name just Sheriff? Those are different things. I like that he says he beat one off. (laughs) (laughs) He beat one off. That's what he says. I beat one off. And then he says, beat them or burn them. They go down easy. (laughs) Um, Then he, he mentions something about Wilton, which is the rescue center that the group would go to. And then all of a sudden, the lights go out. Dun, dun, dun. The zombies outside start picking up things and trying to beat their way into the house. They're beating it off. Yes. Chaos ensues. Ben drops the gun to hold the window. Um, so now Harry grabs it and yells at Helen to get in the cellar. Ben and Harry are struggling. And then Ben shoots Harry. And I don't blame him. I don't either. I definitely would have. So uh, now we cut to outside and we see that zombies are arming themselves with bricks. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? We've had enough of the people in this house not letting us eat them. We're going to bust into the house and we've got bricks. Yeah. Zombies start just busting through everywhere. And we find out that Barbara is completely useless. Yeah. And uh, we, we didn't find out. We've known all along. Yeah. When the zombies start breaking through the barricades and like they're manhandling Helen and everything. Um, we see the graveyard zombie that mm-hmm. she initially saw. Yeah. And it's almost like that snaps her out of it. Uh, yeah. She sees him and then she's like, oh, I have to help. Yeah. This is real. And uh, she comes in and kind of frees Helen. Mm-hmm. So Helen goes to the basement and we can see that her daughter is now feasting on her dead father. Mm. Because Harry went downstairs with Karen and then he died. Yeah. And- she got hungry. 
She did. And I wrote in my notes uh, a, a quote from another zombie classic, Shaun of the Dead. He's got an arm off. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Karen, the daughter, stumbles zombily toward Helen and Helen falls down. Karen grabs a trowel and she marches at her mother with the trowel overhead and she begins stabbing. And we get a distorted scream. This is bad. And blood splatters all over Helen's face and the walls. And then we get like a shadowy silhouette of Karen just repeatedly stabbing her mother. Yeah. And there's a lot of sound effects in it. Yes. That in 1968. I can't even imagine. No. If I had been like under the age of 20 at that time. I would have been thinking about that scene for months. Yeah. So now we cut back upstairs where the zombies are making their way inside. They're busting down all the barricades. Barbara's finally back to normal and she's yelling at the zombies. (laughs) And then Johnny comes in and he looks dead as hell. Yeah. Then Barbara's like, Johnny, brother. She gets carried outside. Yeah. She just wanted to go be with Johnny. Yeah. So the graveyard zombie finally manages to bust through the window, and Ben is ready to retreat to the basement, but behind him, creepy Karen comes up, creeping on him. (laughs) She tries to bite him, but he fights her off. He beats her off. Yeah. And uh, Ben gets to the basement and barricades the door. So zombies are just pouring into the house now. Um, They're starting to make their way for the basement door. The score is going absolutely nuts. There's a huge zombie mosh pit going on on the main floor of the house. Uh, Ben goes downstairs with his gun, and he finds the dead Coopers. Uh, Harry starts to sit up all zombie-like. Yeah. And Ben gets to shoot him again. Yeah. He shoots the shit out of him. He shoots him like three times. I would, too. And then he shoots Helen in the head for good measure. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want her coming back either. Double tap. So Ben looks around the basement, and he's like, oh, yeah. There's a reason I told people not to come down here, because I'm trapped. Yep. So... He was kind of right the whole time, and the zombies are still moshing upstairs, but they kind of seem to be losing interest, Mm -hmm. and uh, we cut to the next morning. There are birds chirping, and a helicopter flies over, and we see zombies out in a field being kind of stalked by men in a truck. Mm -hmm. We see hunters in like a search pattern almost. Uh, The chopper lands, and the hunters come toward it, and we see the police releasing dogs, I'm like, don't release the dogs. We don't know if these things eat dogs yet. Oh, I didn't think about that. I just put the, there were lots of cops and good boys. So many good boys. So many good boys. Uh, so hunters and uh, the chief sheriff man, Cocky McCockerstein. Let's just call him chief sheriff. Cock. Whatever his last name was. McClellan. McClellan. I really think his first name is just sheriff. Sheriff. They discuss news of finding a house behind some trees that they wanted to go check out. And the chief says they have three or four more hours of work they can do before they get to Willard. And then the newsman's talking and the newsman can talk to the National Guard once they get to (laughs) Willard. So everything appears to be under control, according to the newsman. Uh, We cut to Ben in the basement and he can hear the dogs barking. He can uh, or we get to see that cops are shooting zombies Uh, the ones that were all surrounding the house. And the chief directs a few men to go check the house out while standing next to the smoldering truck. We're like, hey. I I recognize that. Yeah, this seems familiar. So Ben's hearing sirens and people, and he starts to go upstairs as the men outside start killing the zombies. Uh, Ben takes the barricade off the basement door. 
The zombie slaughter continues. Nick, Tony, and Steve are instructed to go build a bonfire for Sheriff Chief Man. Uh, Ben's upstairs now, and he's moving towards the window with his gun raised. The chief instructs a hunter man to kill what they think is a zombie inside the house, and the hunter takes one shot and drops Ben. So everybody's dead. Nobody survives. The chief says, good shot, that's another one for the fire. How many innocent people do you think these hicks shot? A lot. Just because they're penis extensions? Yeah. That's what I call guns, by the way. If you don't like it, don't at me. Yeah. (laughs) So now we cut to some still photos and a very eerie score. It's, this is, ugh, it's disturbing. The still photos are of the hunters coming into the house. We see photos of Ben dead on the floor. Um, It appears the hunters have meat hooks Mm -hmm. to handle the bodies with. Which. Not a bad idea. As crass as it is, it's probably the easiest way. Yeah. Uh, So now the credits start rolling and we see scenes of the hunters in the house stabbing hooks into Ben to carry him out to the fire. At this point, you can see one of the meat hooks is through his belt loop. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. I did. They put Ben on the body pile and we can hear the sounds of helicopters going over the score. Ben, graveyard zombie, random meat from the feast pictures. We get to see pictures of it all. Then the bonfire is lit. And that's the end of the movie. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, and that was a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, in the last minute and 35 seconds, you're like, well, the hero of the story is dead. Oh, look, they're jamming him with meat hooks, and now they're going to burn him. Yeah. So it was a lot to deal with. It was. I went through a lot. It was a lot of emotions. So the body count, I guess I didn't write down a count. One, two, three, uh, eight. I got eight as well. Booyah! High five. So it starts with Johnny. He hit his head on a gravestone fighting a ghoul. A ghoul. Um, Tom and Judy exploded in a truck. I wrote blown up a lot. <laughs> um, Harry. So what? I guess shot in the stomach by Ben and yeah, bled out. I guess. Um, and then was shot by Ben again. Yeah. Um, Karen, I, I, I put a zombie bite because I don't. Yeah. We don't. I, eh? Helen was stabbed with a trowel. Ugh. And then shot by Ben. Barbara. Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> she got Johnny devoured. Um, and then Ben, um, a bullet to the head. Yeah. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. It's Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. So, what are your reactions? It's it's a classic for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. Um, looking at it through today's lens, it's not extremely scary. Some of the zombies are kind of comical. The acting needs... It needs a lot of help. So much help. <laughs> but even with all of that, this movie is still stellar. And like most of Romero's works, it is more of a social commentary on people, how people will always manage to divide themselves. Very, very much so. Yeah. I said, despite the questionable acting, I think the movie is perfect. Like if you could just change the acting. Yeah. I think it would be an absolutely perfect movie. Great directing, great cinematography. I thought it really did a good job of building suspense throughout the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and they never let you down. Yeah. Like, they bring it up to this fever pitch in that first scene at the graveyard, and then every time you start to get a little bit of a lull, yeah. shit hits the fan well, again. And there's no storyline. No, it's just survive. It's, it's just get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, I love that they constantly pull the rug out from under you, too. Like, just when you think everything's going to start going well, they mm-hmm. have a plan, something good is going to happen yeah. for them, it just gets turned on its head. I can't, I know I've said this so many times already, I cannot imagine seeing this when it was released. Yeah. How, you had to be thinking the whole time, like, nothing could ever be this terrifying ever again. Mm-hmm. And then The Exorcist came out. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the pacing of the movie. Yeah. They, like I said, they just don't give you any downtime. It's just go, 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 go. It makes you, it puts you in the moment. Yeah. Great story, great suspense. I love it. Mm-hmm. So some production facts. Hit me with them. In 1999, the film was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and was selected to be preserved in the National Film Registry. Woo woo. The word zombie is never used in the movie, despite creating most zombie tropes, such as eating flesh and can only be shot in the head. They created zombies. This was one of the first films to graphically depict violent murders on screen. And it's also one of the first films to have a person of color as a main character. Sorry if you could hear our dog's ears flapping. He likes to do that. <laughs> um, and then I thought this was crazy. All the makeup was done by Marilyn Eastman and Carl Hardman, who played Helen and Harry. That's crazy. They did all the makeup. Like, talk about renegade filmmaking. Like, like, hi, I'm the producer and actor and the makeup artist. It's insane. What do you have for me? Uh, the cast and crew consisted of the production team's friends and family, as well as residents from the Pittsburgh area. Uh, the actors had either no experience or were only amateurs or stage actors. Uh, you already brought up that this was before the MPAA had a rating mm-hmm. system. <laughs> Uh, the role of Ben was not written for a black man, and Dwayne Jones was just the best man for the job. I think they did well. Yes. Um, due to the distributor not putting a copyright on the prints, the movie was public domain as soon as it was released. So this led to theaters being able to copy the reels so they didn't have to pay to show the film, which means Romero didn't make a lot of money off of this. This sucks. Yeah. And the reason that happened was originally the movie was called Night of the Flesh Eaters, and that was what was on the beginning of the first reel. Mm -hmm. That's where the copyright info was. When they changed the name... They didn't put the copyright on. Yep. Ouch. Somebody got in trouble for that. I hope so. (laughs) Romero was a big guy. I hope he beat the shit out of somebody. (laughs) Uh, Much of the dialogue in the movie was improvised. Uh, The house was rented... And was actually scheduled for demolition when they rented it. So it worked out well. They got it on the cheap. They could do anything they want to it. And then pretty much as soon as they were done filming, the house got torn down. Mm -hmm. Uh, The blood was chocolate syrup. And the guts were actual guts donated by a local meat market. Mm. And covered in chocolate syrup for people to actually bite into. You could not pay me enough. It was shot on black and white film due to budgetary constraints, which is funny because now if you wanted to make a movie on film in black and white... It'd be the most expensive movie ever. Yeah. Uh, The working title for the movie was Monster Flick, and then was called Night of Anubis, and then Night of the Flesh Eaters. Oh. 
So we went through a few iterations. Yeah, I like what they stuck with. This was the top grossing film in Europe in 1968, according to the Wall Street Journal. And it came out at the end of the year. That's insane. So do you have any goofs? I'm sure there's some. (laughs) I I know there's a lot, but I put none because it's too good. I I have quite a few. Uh, You can see that uh, the car fender on the Le Mans is dented before it hits the tree. (laughs) Uh, A couple of times you can see that it's daylight outside, even though the movie takes place at night. Yeah. Like... uh, I remember specifically there's one point where somebody's looking out the window and you can see that it's daylight outside. <laughs> like, oh. Okay. You're too terrified. I'm not worried about things like that. Uh, when Ben's beating the zombie in the head with the lug wrench, you can see somebody throws like a block of wood with, it looks like maybe carpet on it. Uh-huh. So that he has something to hit instead of actually hitting the other actor in the face. Oh. And you can like see it get tossed into the frame. Yeah. And then you can see some sort of a wire or cable, like, shadowed over Helen's face when she gets killed. Mm. Yeah, those were the ones I noticed. Yeah. Oh, I could have said the meat hook in Ben's pants. Oh, yeah. So, Mandy, who are you? I don't want to say. Are you Harry? No, I'm so Barbara. You know that when a crisis goes down, I do not handle things very well. No, you tend to freeze. I I do, so I think I'm Barbara. See, I actually put that you were Helen. Really? I think you Because I put you in your place? (laughs) Because you were the pants in the family. (laughs) No, I put that you're kind of ready and willing to jump in, but with your mind always kind of protecting your own. Yeah. You're like, no, I'm going to do what's right for Cam and Nolan. Mm Mm-hmm. And everybody else can kind of just go to hell. Yeah, I like it. Who did you put that I am? I put that you're Ben. Really? Minus all of the macho-ness. Oh, yeah. Because you are not an alpha man. No. But you're really good at taking control of a situation. And you're really good at handling people. And I'll put I'll put Harry in his place. Yes. <laughs> uh, I put that I'm Tom. Because I want to keep the peace. And I will reluctantly follow a strong leader. But I also said I could see myself as Ben or Cooper because I always want to be in charge because I'm always fucking right. (laughs) So then you're definitely Cooper. (laughs) So uh, final thoughts, ratings? I put just think about the creative impact this movie had on the world. Uh, First of all, it showed that you could do guts and gore and people will flock to see it. People love to be shocked and scared, which I don't think that we really knew that beforehand. No. And then secondly, they managed to create one of the most iconic creatures of all time. Without this movie, there would be no Walking Dead, no 28 Days Later, no Shaun of the Dead. And that would be a tragedy. No uh, Zombieland? No, oh, I didn't even think of Zombieland. I just watched Zombieland last night. It's so good. Huh. But, I mean, this movie, the impact it had on the world is just... It set the table for so much. Like, I'm speechless because I can't even describe what it did. Yeah. And then you I, you probably are going to think I rated it too low, but I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, I said, despite the shortcomings of the acting and some of the sound, some of the sound was really bad. Yeah. Um, and some of the technical snafus, I really think this is an almost perfect movie. The placing, the pacing and the plot are perfect. 
I really like them adding in the newsreel stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought that like kind of immersed you in the movie yeah. more. I just wrote that it felt dangerous and real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it a nine out of ten. Okay. So we've got like an aggregate of eight and a half out of ten. Good job. You figured that math out all on your own. Okay, so 8 plus 9 is 17. 17 divided by 2 is 8 with a remainder of <laughs> <laughs> Good job. So anything else you want to say? I don't think so. Do you want to do the socials or shall I? I feel like I talked a lot already. You can. Okay. Um, if you want to find us on the social media, and you know you do, and you know you should... You can visit us at facebook.com slash franchise frights pod at Instagram at franchise frights pod on Twitter X, whatever it's called this week at F rights pod and on Snapchat F rights pod. And don't forget about Cameron's contest. Yes, because one of the DVDs you might be able to win is the movie we're going to cover next Thursday. Oh, my goodness. Paranormal activity. That, yeah. Yeah. So, like us, what did you say? Share? Share us, screenshot it, and DM it to us on any of the platforms. Are you giving everybody a DVD or are you just like drawing names out of a hat? Uh, We're going to, oh, I didn't say that part at the beginning. You didn't? No. um, We are going to draw on December 3rd. Okay. So. You have a few, you have a couple of weeks. Oh, are we going to do a Facebook Live? We are going to do a Facebook Live. Oh my gosh. And we're going to draw and then we will contact you and we'll be like, hey, give us your address. We promise we won't ever come over. Yeah. And then we'll send you well, things. Hopefully, chances are we probably know the people. Well, probably, yeah. Because we're not famous. No, not yet. Never. We might be. I don't know. This is like, what, episode seven? Sure. So, I mean, we might be famous. We we don't even know. Yeah. Like, we might be getting offers right now from, like, HelloFresh and <laughs> Purple Mattress. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, until then. Yeah. Remember, remember they, they always, always come, come back. back. We did it. We did it.